I think that's the toughest part to be successful that young. And now we have to go to a space where we're just like everybody else in society. And, and in some cases, it's okay. It's okay to maybe go get a job. I'm a CPA. Nobody's celebrating me. But guess what? I'm getting a good check and I'm going home. And now it's time for me to build my family. It doesn't mean because I'm, I'm not in this arena and people watch me that I don't, I'm not making a contribution to society. And that's the sad reality of setting our kids up uh, for failure to make them believe that that to be on that level, that level of acceptance in terms of being in this arena, being celebrated is the key to life or it's, you know, the pinnacle to life. And it's not, you know, it's just a moment, man, to speak to what your mission is. We just got to take these principles that we apply in sports. What did it take to win? How did we get past the loss? And we need to shift that to the outside box of, of, of sports. What's happening, beautiful people? Welcome back to the Thrive After Sports Podcast. Just a quick intro today. I'm going to get right into this interview. I know you guys want to see Coach Mosley from Last Chance U. If you guys aren't familiar with Last Chance U, I mean, what are you guys doing? Uh, I've been watching Last Chance U since the early seasons when they were doing the football ones. You guys know I'm a football guy, right? So I started watching Last Chance U for the football seasons. Then when they came out with season one of Last Chance U Basketball, automatically became my favorite seasons like i just fell in love with coach mosley everything he's doing um the basketball seasons are arguably the best seasons of last chance you so if you haven't seen it go check it out on netflix i'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview i tried to ask coach mosley questions that he doesn't normally get i know a lot of people want to talk to him about you know what was it like being on netflix and they want to talk basketball with him i wanted to talk to coach mosley about his philosophy on life the way he interacts with these young men um wanted to get more into his story about you know life after basketball for him some of the things he went through during his transition and i think it was great you know we covered a lot of topics i really just wanted to let him talk the whole time i didn't even want to ask any more questions i just wanted to hit record and let him speak but that's it i love you guys appreciate you tuning in to the show if you haven't subscribed to the youtube channel already please do so if you're listening on apple or spotify make sure you subscribe share this episode with someone who needs to hear it leave your boy a five-star review and as always if there's ever any way i can help you a friend a family member a former teammate through your transition out of your sport i want you to visit tajdeshawn.com check out all the free resources I have for former athletes and retiring athletes and transitioning athletes. And don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm not hard to find. I'm here to support. I'm in your corner. I love you guys. Let's get into this episode with Coach Mosley from Last Chance U. Just to give you some background about the show itself, you know, I'll give you my 30 second bio. I don't want to take too much time on that, but grew up in Pasadena, you know, not too far away from Elac and um, ended up moving out to the IE kind of in, you know, I grew up in Upland. Play football at Upland High out there in the IE where Coach Rob was at for a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, ended up going to play football out in New York at a school called Stony Brook. Came back home, was just super depressed because I didn't make it to the league. Like a lot of athletes go through just not knowing what to do mm -hmm. next. Once I got back on my feet, I started this program called Thrive After Sports, which is really designed to help athletes transition out of college, you know, going into the real world, so to speak. Uh, I work with former professional athletes, former Olympians as well, but the sweet spot is really former collegiate athletes. Uh, set up a lot of programming to where I can work with athletes for free, but I can still put food on my table. Had to get creative with how to do that. But to make a long story short, you know, I was watching Last Chance You, um, and I just fell in love with you, man. Like, and I know that sounds weird, but you know, I'm happily married to a woman. But when I say I fell in love with you, you reminded me of some of the best coaches I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And you coached the game of basketball with the intensity and the passion of a football coach, which mm -hmm. I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 
like I said, I don't want to talk too much about the show or really about basketball. I want to talk to you about life. And I thought a good place for us to start was um, on one of the, I think it was season one, you mentioned you had a coach tell you that just flat out, you weren't good enough to make it to the NBA. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to take a deeper dive. Like, what did that do for you in that moment? How did you feel when he, when he said that to you? Well, you know, uh, that, that uh, it, it hits, man. It, it hits when you kind of are told or you come to the realization that, uh, you're not, you're not good enough. And and if I have uh, one uh, trade or one thing that I, I'd say, I wish my dad had, uh, gave me a little bit more dose of reality uh, in the sense that it was, it was great. You know, my dad is, is gone. He's passed. He passed in, in the late nineties, but <laughs> what was great about him is he would, uh, and I'm talking about all the kids and all the young men in the community, he would just uh, empower them and, and just say they're going to be great. My dad told me I thought I was Superman. I thought I was going to be Michael Jordan, the president of the United States. I thought I was going to be all of that. Um, Just the way that he infused uh, the confidence and just let me know that I can be anything. But then there's a reality to that as well. Uh, And it's true, you can be. But the reality is is, is having the talent. The reality is is what it's going to take to be that and to work and do that and uh, to have the look to have all of that. And, you know, um, I'm faith based, you know, I believe and from the core, my faith, but I do say there has to be a little luck there as well. It's time and place and everything's kind of got to work out in the line for you to be in the elite. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not necessarily elite, but to be in that elite, everything has to align, man. You have to, you got to be in that top percentile of, of ability, intelligence and all that. And then, then you got to have a little luck. So that, that, that don't guarantee anything. And so I'd say that hit hard and it was a little disappointing uh, when I, when I felt that and when uh, I realized, uh, but having that foundation, having that support, it helped me to regain focus and kind of circle back and see what I can do from there. Mm. How far were you into your college career when he told you that? Are we talking like junior year, senior year? Yeah, I'm going. So I went to junior college and I was okay. You know, I was kind of all state honorable mention, which is a pretty big deal. I led the state in assists. Ironically, I went to school here, uh, got recruited by a uh, number of schools. And just like some of these guys, I still struggled in, in, in junior college with the academics. And uh, so it shied away some of the opportunities. I went on two Division One visits and then I ended up at an NAIA school. And I really never had that foundation, man. I really never had anybody similar to some of these guys. They tell them, hey, you could just go and, uh, and just use them what they had and really not set me down and built on that. It's like, you know, it's fine what you got here. Um, you're helping us win. You're helping us compete. But what you're doing now is not going to translate. Um, I didn't get enough of that. I got some of it, but I didn't get enough of it. And so you go to the next level, even though it was – and it was a really good – uh, in a high school and we were, you know, going to the final fours and all that. And I didn't get some of the things that I was doing. It didn't translate. And I was never really, you know, it, there was no honesty or maybe I was just too arrogant to believe what they were telling me because at that moment I was getting a chance to perform. And I was like, man, I'm not hearing what y'all talking about. Uh, instead of really pressing, and that's what I try to do now is really press and say, that's not going to work. That's not going to fly. Yes, you're successful with me. Yes, you can make buckets here, but unless you close out, unless you uh, do these little details, 
what you're doing now won't translate. And it's hard for young men to see that. It's hard for myself to see that what I'm doing now won't translate unless I, um, yeah, I'm having success here, but it won't translate unless I grow in the space that I'm in right now. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I dig in with these guys. Like, I, I could care less what you look like right, right now. And somebody asked me about the episode when the young man came in my office and said, hey, coach, am I doing a good job? And I'm like, I'm not going to celebrate you right now because I know what's ahead. So me telling you, you're doing a great job right now, that's not going to help you for the future sometime, in some ways. Yeah, I, I do have to encourage you and let you know, but like, bro, you got a lot more to grow uh, because when you get to the next level, it won't translate. And so I think that's, that's uh, initially where um, the, the space that I was in, man, I was just kind of shocked. And I couldn't believe he said it, but he was a good man. So I was able to believe it because he had good intentions. And I was like, man, is he really telling me this? And then he, you know, he, he actually shed a tear and told me that, you know. And then, you know, from that point, then I kind of transitioned into – into okay, what what do I do next? You know, right? You know, and you brought up a good point about you could tell that the coach had good intentions, and that's one thing I see from you as I as I watch the show and I'm seeing you yell and at some of the players and they don't respond well to it. And I think to myself, like you said, as a young man, you know, I didn't respond well to that type of stuff either. But in hindsight, I can look at it and see like, man, he's yelling because he really cares. And I know that ultimately, you know, the main goal, you want to get guys out, you want to help them go to the next level. But the thing that I appreciate the most about you, coach, is that I'm seeing that you're really helping them get prepared for life. And I know that's really the root of what you're doing. You're helping them through basketball, of course, and want to help them get out. But can you just speak a little bit about um, maybe it's a subconscious thing. You know that everything you do is helping them get prepared for life. And when basketball ends, can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I always share that I see myself in them and I see uh, some of the barriers that prevented me from being better or, you know, and it was uh, a lack of being open-minded to what, uh, you know, critic to, to criticism and being able to take it and understand um, all of the, you know, in terms when I criticize and when I give them this tough love and when I tell them they got to respond better to adversity, uh, these are all things that as men, you know, it, it's, it's just hard. And not only as men, but young black men that uh, that they got to be prepared for. Uh, I'd say, man, you ain't going to be cute. You're only cute for a few more years. Your parents <laughs> think you're cute. They support you. Your grandparents, you know, your trainer, because you you train, you paying him money. He thinks you're cute. So everybody, you know, you're not going to be cute when you walk in front of that hiring manager with that resume you got to prove who you are. You have to have some substance behind it. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, I'm sharing with them every day that, man, you got to be better than better. You got to be greater than great. Uh, well, coach, I'm doing all right now. Well, there's a roadblock coming that's looking better, looking for more than just great. There's a roadblock that's coming that's looking for more than just your smile or your charm or your charisma. You're going to have to have substance. You're going to have to have – cover all bases. And I think we take the game of basketball and we try to cover all these bases. I try to cover everything. I was sharing with my guys yesterday and this, this applies to life. You know, everybody goes and they train, they work on a shot and this and that, but what about running and catching? What about your pay? What about your conditioning? We're going to win a game. This applies to life too. We try to cover everything. 
One of these games we're going to win because we're in better shape. One of these games we're going to win because we're just physically tougher. One game we're going to win because we didn't turn the ball over. One game we're going to win because we rebounded well that game. Uh, a team may be stronger than us, but for some way, somehow, we were able to out-rebound them. Uh, one game, yeah, we're going to win a couple games because we shot the ball well. But some games we may not shoot well, so we got to go offensive rebound and get back. And it applies to life, man. We got to try to cover all our bases. We can't slip, be a baller on the court and then slip up in the classroom. Like at some point, you're going to need those academics, those academic habits. Well, I'm cool. All the teachers know I'm an athlete. I'm cool. Well, there's going to be a teacher that you need to be able to say, how do you, how do you, how do you handle socially? How do you handle emotionally a teacher who hates on you? You got to walk in there with a smile. You got to be able to sit there and understand there are some teachers that's going, well, the teacher don't like me. Okay, what do you do about it? Fine, they don't like, but they still control a part of your destiny. They still control a part of your of of of, of you moving forward. So you got to figure that out. And ain't nobody say kiss nobody but, but you got to figure out in that space, what do I do? How do I respond so that I can get the best and I can win in this moment, win in this 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 particular situation? And it applies, and that's the beauty of sports, man. There's so many failures and successes in sports within the game that it, 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 it prepares us. And I think a lot of uh, companies and CEOs, and they like to see, you know, uh, there's not as many CEO, uh, former athletes that are CEOs anymore, but uh, this are, you know, they, they, they look to bring in student athletes because of the highs and lows, the ebb and flow that we've gone through. Um, we just gotta, you know, to speak to what your mission is, we just gotta get past that and take these principles that we apply in sports, these failures and successes, the losses and the wins. What did it take to win? How did we get past the loss? And we need to shift that to the outside box of, of, of sports. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I love what you said about, you know, you're not going to be cute forever. Yeah. Uh, and I want to get back to your story, too, because, you know, I think about myself when I stopped being cute. You know, I went from big man on campus, football star. All the ladies love me in New York because I'm from California. Now I'm 23 back home in my childhood bedroom with no job prospects, no idea how to put a resume together. That's not really cute. So at the moment when you graduated and you finished your basketball career, did you have a moment where you were struggling to adapt to, you know, no longer competing or what was that, what was that period like for you? Like immediately after basketball was over? Yeah. I'm, you know, looking for acceptance in, in another space and being celebrated in another space. The reality is it's, in most cases, it doesn't happen for us. Uh, it's not going to happen uh, to the level that we had. And now I think that's the toughest part is to be young, to be celebrated, to be successful that young. And it's really going to go away for what? 98% of us, that's going to go away. And now we have to go to a space where we uh, are ordinary and get paid. And we're just like everybody else in society. And it takes an extraordinary person to say, well, I want more for more than that. And look, look past that. And not to just sit in that. And, and in some cases, it's okay. It's okay to, to maybe go get a job. I'm a CPA. Nobody's celebrating me. But guess what? I'm getting a good check and I'm going home. And now it's time for me to build my family. Um, it doesn't mean because I'm not celebrated, because I'm not on this, this plat television platform, because everybody, I'm not in this arena of people watch me, that I don't, I'm not making a contribution to society. You know, maybe I'm, I'm making a contribution uh, and, and that's the sad reality 
of setting our kids up and our young men up uh, for failure to make them believe that that to be on that level, that level of acceptance in terms of being in this arena, being celebrated is, is the key to life or it's, you know, the pinnacle to life. And it's not, you know, it's just a moment, man. It's all vanity. You know, I go to scripture and it talks about vanity. Our youth is vain because we're cute. We're feeling good. We're running fast. Uh, we got energy and it's vain because that's going to go away. That's only a short period of our lives where we're going to have that moment or our youth I mean, I'm starting to get wrinkles. We're going to get wrinkly. We're going to get a old man, a dad vibe, you know, and the majority of our life is going to be like that. So we have to figure out how to live in that space. And are we going to allow those things, those wrinkles, are we going to allow the dad bod? Are we going to allow the lack of energy to define us? Is that going to define us? Because we're no longer cute. We no longer have the six pack. Is that going to define us? We no longer are in this space where everybody's celebrating you because you perform and they see you on this platform. What are, what, and, and that's the preparation. Um, so I even share with my guys, man, they, I'm not, you know, they, they got on me. They teasing me because one of my guys had a birthday and like, what are we going to do, man? Is the, the, the pony and the, the floaties, what we want to do ponies and floaties for your birthday. We don't do that for the rest of your life. Happy birthday. What do I got to say? Happy birthday to you. Like, man, get over it. You know, some people criticize me for it, but in reality, I do care. It is, it's great. You lived another year, but for the most part, man, we can't have a pony every birthday. We got to move on. We got to have life. And um, it it feels kind of harsh and it is harsh, Uh, but I share with those guys that right now, because I want them to break them of, of believing that they have to be celebrated for everything because you're not, you could be the most successful guy I've had a lot of success before Netflix, the show came on. And it's, it, it was hurtful that nobody supported, nobody celebrated. It is hurtful, but I got to look past it. And, I, and to be honest, I think that prepared me for right now because we did so much. We've accomplished a lot more than when Netflix came around in terms of the schools, my guys being in Pac-12 schools and going here and going there, the success at, at winning that we had and Many of things, success as a coach. I had more success when no cameras were here and all that. And now the cameras are here and everybody wants to elevate. Oh, you're a great job. You're a great coach. And you know what? I kind of look past it and I was like, you know what, man? I'm not going, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to look to, to def- I'm not going to be defined by how, how everyone celebrates me now because, because of the Netflix show. Um, it can be defined by the work that I put in and really feel comfortable and really feel content with what I've done and what I've accomplished and success based on what I've accomplished and what I put in, not how other people define what my success should be or how they look at me as being successful. Mm. When you talk about being celebrated, you just made me think of something deep. I was thinking about this while you were sharing. I think as not only as athletes, but as men, and I'm not saying this doesn't apply to women because the majority, not the majority, 50% of the athletes I work with are former female athletes. I think they're more likely to open up and ask for help and things like that. But my point is, when you talk about being celebrated, I think there has to be a transition into maturity, which is really what you're talking about as a man, where you go from trying to be celebrated to trying to be of service and almost finding your new purpose and mission through that. And that kind of leads me to what I wanted to ask you about, you know, how you got into coaching. Did you always know that you wanted to be a coach or did you like, how did the, the coaching career kick off after you finished playing basketball yourself? Yeah. Well, I left 
and had all these bright ideas. Well, number one, wanted to play professional. And I, I played a little bit, uh, went to Australia. And then after I did the missions trip, played a little bit in Brazil. Um, but I came back and I had one class to finish. And my coach said, well, yeah, just come on and finish that class. I'll pay for it. You help me coach. And in that time, coming back from the missions trip, realizing that, you know, I can speak into pe- to, to young men life or people in general in their lives. And I found myself uh, being excited about going out and recruiting young men and speaking into their lives. And I've really had a platform and they're looking at me and they're receiving it and it's act- actually impacting them. And then I was with a Hall of Fame coach who was his mentor was John. Wooden, and I really saw the game of basketball in its purity. And I saw uh, from he was my coach. I didn't see any of it as the player, but then as on the coaching side, when I got a chance to sit with him, I saw like man, not only was I impacting the the young men, they were my age really because I just started. But then I saw the purity, and I saw the development of basketball, and I saw how men were developing because there's this carrot of basketball, and I can say I got this carrot. And I'm saying, look, if you want to play, here's what we need on the court. Here's what we need from your character so that we can give you the keys to the car uh, so that you can represent this program. And it was a, you know, it was a Christian program. So there was a lot of uh, representation in, in terms of integrity that we wanted, the standards we had from an integrity standpoint. We wanted to win. The school wanted to win. Uh, we wanted to develop men. And so I got an opportunity to be at this, you know, the small private school and, and coach. And there were a lot of standards. And so a lot of those standards we had to, you know, there's some places you go where it's like, look, you got to win. And integrity is out the door, whatever we got to do to win so that we can keep these television contracts. We have power five school at all costs. You know, we got to win. But we broke it down and we had all these these different uh, standards, you know, the standards of living out your faith through basketball, the standards of living out uh, as young men, the standards of winning. And I was fortunate enough, I was under a mentor who had all these standards and I saw basketball in its purity. I I saw us win. I saw us develop young men. I saw us um, uh, minister and take the group of guys and minister. I saw us planting seeds in the young men and I saw them grow. And so I was very fortunate. I was very blessed to be able to see all that in the beginning stages of my career. Um, and I had a father. He was great. He loved to see young men and he loved to mentor young men. All the guys on my block came to my house. My dad would cut up some potatoes and then he would throw them in the frying pan and then they would come over and after school, whatever, you know, we was five minute walking distance from my high school and every, we just corralled at my house and I was the, the team barber. So I can cut hair. So it was just like, uh, it was always a sense of camaraderie. And I, I missed team. I missed team. And so I went back and I enjoyed, I enjoyed being with my mentor and being with the guys again. I missed that. And then I still miss it to this day. And so I love that team environment. I still act like I'm one of these dudes right now. So, uh, yeah, that's how it started, man. I thought I was going to come take my class and then I was going to bounce and go do something else. Like, uh, I had all kinds of things I was going to do, man. I went and got my, uh, during the time I got a apprentice barber license. So I was doing barbering, uh, I was doing, man, I was running around doing all the, you know, pyramid schemes. I was doing financial services with, you know, all these finance companies. I was doing business. I was doing acting on the side. I was doing some of everything, you know, down in LA, everybody's an actor, you know? Right. I, I heard you were a rapper. I was, was going to say, yeah, yeah I, I heard you were a rapper. <laughs> I was doing everything, man. <laughs> and fortunately, man, I got, 
bound back into ministry and coaching and it was all wrapped together, man. And that's, that's kind of where God kind of, he kind of isolated me and forced me in that position and he made, and he closed all these other doors. And so from there, that, that's where it started. Mm. I'm glad you brought up the rapid thing. I heard you mention that in another interview. I'm like, I'm definitely about to ask coach about the rapid career. Where can I go here to mixtape coach? Where's it at? Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you something. My son is really good in terms of making beats. I let him down, man, because I said, man, you make a beat this summer, man. I'm going to rap on it. And I just couldn't put it together like I used to back in the day. But <laughs> I, I pass it over to my son. I, uh, me and my buddies got some stuff. I, I have no idea where that stuff is. It's not on our phones. Like, we got everything on our phones now. Anything we record, it's, on, it's streamed, it's online. We can save it on cloud systems. So it's somewhere on some CDs somewhere, man. Uh, but I remember we have been in the studio and doing some stuff. And uh, I remember getting some money from a, a sub uh, label under Sony. And we were in the studio with them and a couple projects. And then it, it just kind of it was on the shelf and never. And I said, man, well, let me just go finish balling and doing all that and being about basketball. So but did a couple shows, talent shows, did modeling. I, I You know, we L.A., man, we did everything. Right. Like you said, I think it's an L.A. thing because I grew up just outside of L.A. But even me, I was trying to be, you know, make beats and work in the music industry. It's just like like it's right there. I might as well go making a tip and see if I can make something happen. I yeah. did the same thing. Um, but I want to go. I can't let go of this idea or this this concept you brought up earlier about being celebrated and how that leads into going from wanting to be celebrated, which is purely selfish. It's all about me, me, me. And then you mature and become, you know, a young man. And then it becomes, OK, instead of being celebrated, let me just try to go serve and find my purpose and fulfillment through that. And so another thing that I really appreciated by watching the show is that I became a better coach. You know, obviously I'm not coaching basketball, but the way you interact and you deal with your players, not just on the court or during games or during practice, but those one-on-one -on -one interactions by watching those interactions and, you know, even some of the emotional things, praying with the players, crying with them, um, you know, getting on them if you need to, yell them at, like, just all the stuff that you do is so appreciated and made me better as a coach. And do you feel that now as you've matured and you're, you're focused on your purpose and serving, that that is a way that um, for you to almost celebrate yourself? I'm not sure if my question makes sense, where you find the purpose in serving and then that allows you to celebrate yourself almost like uh, fills the gap of how you were looking to be celebrated when you were playing basketball. Do you get yeah. what I mean? Yeah, well, it's a there's a sense of content, you know, a sense of contentment in what we're doing and and realizing that, you know, I'm pouring into other people and I can, you know, it's almost like you can live out through them. You know, you can you can live out. I've helped my son get to where he's at and I'm watching all this that I poured into him. And, uh, you know, that's that's my child. I watched my daughter. She won a playoff game last night, actually out there. She beat Riverside Poly out there. But uh but but ultimately, yeah, being able to pour it into them and and is it's kind of uh, like your y'all. I like your children, and you can be proud uh, without tooting your own horn um, because you can see some of the seeds that you planted in them, and you can see them grow, and you can see um, just the response change. You can see all those things change, and so I don't need anybody to celebrate me. I, just, I, I, I that's my sense of satisfaction. I tell my guys when you go to college, when you get your college degree. And when you play, don't bring me any T-shirts from your university. And I don't need, hey, man, bring me some gear. Like, I don't need nothing from you. What I need to do is see you on TV. And when I see that, I'm good. Um, 
one of the biggest things, man, when we talk about celebration, I'll never forget this, the most humbling thing. And I think it kept me grounded. Uh, number one, I got a chance to spend time with John Wooden. My mentor was mentored by Wooden. We went to breakfast one time and I asked him, I said, you know, just asking a few things. And he said, one of the biggest things is never get too high, never get too low. You know, uh, for every high, there is a low. So for the, the top of the mountain that you own, the great, there's going to be some bottoms. Um, so you can't let the bottoms get you all down and out and feel bad or depressed or or non-working or whatever. And, it's, and that can't define you. And then the highs can't define you either. The people, they celebrate you and they tell you you're great and all these wonderful things. And um, you're, you're, you're not that great, you know. And uh, I think uh, I think Jerry West said it. You're not as great as they tell you and you're not as bad as they tell you. Um, so I got, took that information for every high, there's a low and i try to stay even kill and realize that, you know, and man, if they're not going to celebrate me, fine, I'm going to just keep doing it. And if they are going to celebrate me, fine, I'm going to just keep doing it. I'm not going to take the celebration and believe that that's all me as well. I was on a plane coming back. I remember forget coming back from Australia where I go over there. Best friend of mine is playing on the top team and he's, and he's kind of famous. I walk off the plane and cameras are coming around me. I'm like, wow, all these cameras come around. And I'm the best friend of this guy. And then I'm playing on a pro team over there. I'm being celebrated. And I'm like, wow. And so I'm over there for a while. And I never forget. I'm feeling good. In a lot of spaces I go to, everyone's looking like, I think he's somebody. Oh, you're the basketball player, right? Everybody's celebrating. Well, long story short, I come home. I get off the... I, I'm sure, I don't know, I think they changed the airport. Still Tom, Bradley, Tom Bradley Airport at LAX. I get off the plane, <clears throat> Tom Brad, Bradley International. I walk off and my chest is out. I'm walking around like, yeah, John Mosley here. <laughs> <laughs> I look around, man, don't nobody know who the hell I am, man. <laughs> Everywhere I go, I'm trying to look for, like, accept it. Like, don't you know who I am? Man, don't nobody know who I am, man, in LA. <laughs> I got off that play, man, after being celebrated, everybody. And it was just a slap in the face. It took me two weeks to come down from that. Like, don't you know who I am? I was just over there. I was a pro. I was a star over there. Like, don't nobody know who I am? And I was getting treated a certain way. And I get over here in Tom Bradley Airport and don't nobody know who I am. People treating me rude again. I go to McDonald's, man, and, you know, what you want? You know, like, <laughs> y'all don't know who I am. So I'll never forget that. And that's something that brought me, brought me back down, man. Uh, never forget, you know, because I was at one of the highest in terms of even beyond college being celebrated. I was like, I'm a pro ball player. And I get over here and don't nobody know. So for every high, there is a low, man. And uh, so now I just kind of try to stay even killed. And I try to give my young men like, okay, I tell them don't ever say, don't ever say, don't ever make a bucket and score and say, let's go. Don't ever, you should have been going. Don't get drunk because <laughs> you made a bucket. I said, I can't stand let's go. I hate let's go. You already should have been going. And right. when things don't go right, don't pout, don't complain, don't moat. It's highs and lows, man. And 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 I, I take that and I try to pour that into the guys, man. There's highs and lows. Uh, you know, a year from now, everybody may hate me as a coach. And so it is what it is. You know, right now, people love some of the things that was extracted from the show. And okay, fine. 
That's great. We can talk about it. There's a thousand guys doing what I'm doing that are just like me. They just put me on a show and they brought it out and they put some music behind it and it makes it sound better. They put some sound effects on it. And so I just take it all with a grain of salt. Um, And I try to pour that into the guys too. Yeah. On that note, I know you're a humble guy. You're a humble man, but I don't think it's just the music and the way Netflix rolls it out. I really do think it's you. And I look at even the way, you know, they highlighted some other coaches throughout the series, show the, the opposing teams and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's something that you have. And I think that um, I think it comes from just who you are as a person, but also your heart for service and how you actually do want to make an impact. So I know you're trying to give credit to Netflix for making you look good, but it was all you, coach, at least from where I'm standing. You know what I mean? Well, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. We we all um, and I share this with our guys. Uh, we just had a round table or something uh, for Black History Month here on campus. And I share with our guys, everybody's got a gift. So if anything, I'll say God has given me the gift to have discernment for the space that we're in to understand the young man and how I'm a, the best, what's the best way to motivate him? What's the best way to motivate him? And living out the burdens with these young men and knowing what they're going through. So the gift to be able to do that, I'll just give credit to God. He, he gave that gift. And I share with our guys, living your, living your gift, man, and not your curse, because we curse too. There's some things that I, that I've had to get over and overcome, and uh, you know, we got generational curses that we've. Otherwise, we'd probably all be millionaires and all be stars and all be. But there's some things that prevented us from. We lost some steps, you know. Maybe some of us come from a poor financial background, where we got to learn how to take care of our finances, where we got to learn how to see ourselves as maybe, uh, you know, better stewards of, you know, some of the things that we have. Some of us don't come from a great academic background, you know, in our home. Maybe our parents didn't teach us certain things. Our parents taught us this one thing that's helped us in this area, but maybe our parents didn't teach us in this area. And there's some generational things that we have to get through. So uh, we like to share, you know, living our gift. And so I'm trying to live in my gift. You know, there's some things that I'm still trying to get over uh, that maybe I was cursed uh, that I see in my, my my past generation. And I've gotten over some things uh, that I've saw some of my parents or my grandparents make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've gotten over. So living in our, living in our gifts, man, and not in our curse. Mm. That's real. Coach, I know we're coming up on time. I promise I won't keep you that much longer. I just have one more question and I think it's perfect. Uh, a perfect tie in based off of what you just shared. Um, I wanted to talk to you about your relationship with God, your faith and how that, uh, it sounds like, like you said, that mission trip was really the, the catalyst for you to get into service and coaching and pouring into young men's lives. Um, has that always been a part of your life or how have you seen that relationship with God just tie into, you know, the man that you are now and and, and where you're at in your life? Well, you know, I think early th- th- there was a pressing from, there was a calling on my life. And I can remember my mom asking me, I think you hear from the Lord. I think, you know, I think you're convicted. And uh, ideally I was, I think there was a precedent, a calling on my life early. Uh, And I think God preserved me. So, you know, I was out there and I was doing some things I shouldn't have been doing, but I think God protected me so that nothing catastrophic happened before, you know, I, I dedicated my life to him or, or I was saved. So nothing catastrophic happened. So now I was preserved to do his work and to serve. And so I think that was there. And I think there was a calling on my life. But then when I got an opportunity to uh, go on that missions trip, 
uh, I didn't know, you know, people say leading people to Christ. We all assume it's a pastor that's supposed to bring you to an altar call. But when I had an opportunity, we went on this missions trip and everybody has all these ideas. I had to learn, I had to go take a class. How do you lead people to Christ on this missions trip? And I'm sitting up there like, man, I don't know how to do this. And all these people are getting A's in the class. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Well, we go over there and everybody who sounds great sharing their faith and doing all that in front of these people who are, in, you know, third world or whatever. I'm like, man, I don't know how to do that. But then there was a authenticity where when it was my time to do it uh, and when I was able to, to, to reach out and, and speak to people who were like me, to people who looked like me. And then from that point on, I never forget all the other people that were on the mission stream team that didn't have the same experience as me. They said, man, you go ahead and you share for the rest of the time that we hear. You share. He said, because man, you have this, this, this way of drawing people. And, and then when I left, <clears throat> the rest of the missions team left, they all left me letters. And I stayed there because I was trying to play professional and I went and tried out for teams. They shared with me, they gave me all these letters. And they were saying, you have an amazing opportunity to minister. You have a calling on your life. And I never knew that. And when I really thought about it, I, I did draw those people. The Lord used me as a vessel. So me as how I look, how I spoke, the words that I use, he, God used that to draw people in to hear the message. And with that, I kind of said, huh, maybe, maybe I do have a calling. And because of that, I looked around. I said, man, why am I over here in Brazil? And I said, man, I can walk outside my door. And so I started a group called Save Through Hoops, which was at my high school five minutes away. And so I would bring some middle school kids and then I would take them through sports and clinics. And then I would share my faith with them. And they listened and they heard and we, you know, and we were able to, you know, be used to lead people to Christ. And, and so uh, that's where kind of it all started. And from there on. Um, the NCAA shut me down from really reaching out to young people once I worked for our NCAA school. So I couldn't just go and do clinics and all that because there was contact. But I saw it and I see it now that every space that I'm in, every, I don't care where I'm at, I'm representing Christ and I'm there to share my faith and I'm there to lead people to the, to the gospel. And as long as I do that, God will continue to elevate me, put me on platforms. I won't be successful unless my intentions are to share my faith. Uh, and, and that's just me. The other people, you can go do what you want and you'll be successful. But for me, God has called me to do this. And he always reminds me, he'll, he'll, he'll grab me and pull me back, take a step back. I'm like, why isn't things working out? And then I'm like, okay, there's this thorn. Like he gave Paul, there's a thorn that I'm always got this thorn to remember that he's called me to minister. That's, that's just me. That's not for everybody. That's for me. He called me to minister Anybody I'm in front of, any platform that I get is to share who he is and to make sure everybody knows that that he's the one in true living God. So that that that's kind of where I'm at and plant seeds in these young men and help them grow as young men and lead them as well. And you don't have to believe what I want to, you don't have to believe what I believe and you don't have to accept it, but God has called me to plant the seeds. And I'm not going to shove it down your throat, but uh, I'm convicted every single day to plant seeds. Mm. That's powerful, Coach. Uh, I know we're coming up on time. I have to, I got to go pee real quick. You have like two or three more minutes so I can just yeah. go pee and come back. I got one last question then I'll have you off like right at the scheduled time. Okay. I'll be right back. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to wrap up with that question about your faith is because 
and like you said, not everybody's going to be a Christian. I don't honestly, I don't even consider myself a Christian uh, mm -hmm. these days, but I do have a very strong relationship with God for whatever that's worth. Right. Mm -hmm. And I noticed to your point, when I was living a certain way or thinking a certain way or operating a certain way that was away from God or not having that, that cultivated relationship with God, my life was going one way or I was getting certain results. When I leaned into that relationship with God, you know, my own personal relationship, living, living a certain way and, you know, just having that open line of communication and using myself as a vessel, like you said, that's when things started to blossom. That's when things started to open up, not just in my professional life, but personally, how I feel about myself, how I feel about the way I'm living. So I, I wanted to ask you that and have you share about that, because I think it's important in the world, the times we're living in where society and, you know, everything will try to pull you away from God to try to find some sort of relationship. I'm not telling everybody you got to be in church every Sunday, but just try to find some sort of relationship with God and allow that to be very present in your life and just watch as things start to unfold. Because no matter what you believe in, there's something that governs all of us and keeps us connected. Well, you just said what I was going to say. There's something, there's a supreme authority. Mm -hmm. And there's not, I mean, it, there, there can't possibly be five different supreme authorities. There's one. And so you, for me, I believe that God, um, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is the true and living God. And, and uh, I believe, uh, that's what I believe. And I believe his uh, authoritative word is the Bible. And so I follow that. And you, you have to know that there is an authority. There is a creator. And that's really what I would add. And, and you have to find that and you got to find that truth. And once you find that truth, you align yourself with, with what his, his intentions and his will is. Because ultimately his will is going to be done. So it's best we just align ourselves with him because he controls everything. Um, and he allows everything to happen and just good and bad. There's some good that happens, uh, that he allows. And there's some bad that he allowed that he allows. Uh, and, and some of the bad is a result of some of the decisions that we make, but ultimately if we can align ourselves with him, uh, who's the creator, then, uh, we'd be in a better shape than if we disalign ourselves with him, who ultimately his will, whatever is going to be. Ultimately, that's what I believe. Whatever is going, whatever he, his will is, it's going to happen. And if we can align ourselves with him, life would be a lot, a lot much, a lot better. Yes, sir. Hey, man, I think that's the perfect way for us to close out. Uh, Coach, definitely appreciate you spending some time today. Thank you for all that you do, uh, not just pouring into these young men, but I'm glad you were given that platform or that God gave you that platform to show um, your heart. Because like I said, it's, it's so much bigger than basketball. I'm inspired by watching you to be a better man, to be a better coach, to be a better husband. You know, I don't have kids yet, but I know your your example will make me a better father as well. Um, so just I appreciate your time today and um, yeah, just keep doing your thing. Appreciate awesome, you. man. Thanks for having me. Hey, so if you made it to the end of this episode, first of all, thank you for tuning in. For those of you guys who are here for the first time, welcome. Please like the video if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to this channel. I have a lot more great interviews coming up. I think you'll really be surprised with some of the guests that I have and some of the stories that they have to share. This is important work. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please just leave a five-star review, subscribe, and share this episode or any other episodes out with someone who needs to hear it. I am on a mission to help as many athletes transition out of their sport and have successful lives after their careers and not just survive, but thrive in everything that they do. And you guys know I do that in a myriad of ways. It's not just the podcast. It's not just the books. 
but I do offer coaching as well. I wanna encourage you guys to go back and look at some of the testimonials of former athletes that I've worked with to help them through their transitions. Guys, don't hesitate to reach out. Visit tajdeshawn.com. That's where you can find all the free resources, not just the podcast and the books, but access to me. You can schedule a free call with me. I'm not gonna get on that call and try to sell you on buying the group program. I have a ton of free access and scholarships for athletes to work with me. So utilize those resources, guys. And last but not least, I definitely wanna encourage you guys to grab my first book, Thrive After Sports. You can just go on Amazon, type in Taj Deshaun. Uh, I have multiple books on there, but I always try to point people to Thrive After Sports just because I think that's the, the book that I look at as the most impactful that can help an athlete through the transition. I know a lot of people have read that book and been helped through the transition without ever having to speak to me or even listening to my podcast. And I just got this recording today that I wanted to share with you guys from my guy, Benjamin Van Buren. He's a soccer player, former soccer player at Mercy College, uh, went on to play professional soccer and just recently retired. And he read my book while he was playing, but then read it again after he retired. And this is what he had to say about it. I love you guys. I'll see you in the next episode. Peace. And here's Ben. Yo, Taj is Ben from Athlete Mentor. Um, just want to let you know, obviously your book came in, and I read it a while ago um, when I was still in season, and it didn't really hit me then. I was like, yeah, cool, it's a, it's a great book, whatever. And then I went to Spain, and I was playing for a team over there, and then I left because my grandmother was sick, uh, so I came home, and now it's hitting me. So I read it again. Dude. That thing is phenomenal. Like, if you could put this audio on a case study on your website, I would do it because it's crazy how, like, the skills and attributes that student athletes have just go, they just go missing. And it's like, yeah, you're playing sports, you have all this adrenaline, all this, all this hype about you, all you're working out all the time, you feel good, and then out of nowhere, it's like, oh, cool, I'm done. You know, like, I know nothing to work for, really. So then you get into sales, you get into other things. And you find something that you want to build for yourself, and that's what you get that that uh, that excitement and that adrenaline from again. So, yeah, man, I just want to let you know that I read it again, and it really hit me now that I'm kind of officially retired as a player player. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I wanted to say, man. I hope you're doing well. hope you're living the life. I'm actually on Long Island now. I'm going to go to Stony Brook basketball game, so at your alma mater. But, uh, yeah, dude, uh, phenomenal work, and uh, let's, let's obviously stay in touch and maybe get on a call soon. Talk to you later. Peace.